0: please to the book of Joshua chapter 4. We're going to begin reading verse number 1. I would ask that you would cover me in prayer this weekend. I'm preaching uh, my pastor's 20th anniversary service. Uh, I'm preaching Sunday morning, so I'll be back Sunday evening. haven't preached out much. I like preaching at Wallace Ridge. I think I've preached out two times uh, on Sunday mornings uh, since I've been here. And uh, I'm kind of over all that traveling and preaching business. Seven years of all that. But in fact, when I went, my family didn't even go with me. They're really over it. But they're going to go this weekend to honor my pastor. I am honored to ask to preach it. But I um, I do need your prayer to do so beginning with verse number 1, it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man. Command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. That's what the Lord instructed Joshua to do while, he, while they crossed Jordan. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God and in the midst of Jordan. Take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. The children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan As the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. I want to preach just... For a little while this evening, on this subject, souvenirs for survivors. Souvenirs for survivors. Lord Jesus, ask this evening that you would help us. God, that you would anoint my mind, anoint my thoughts, anoint my mouth. Lord, someone here needs to hear the word of the Lord. Someone here needs to grasp what you're going to try to say tonight. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. In Jesus' name, Everyone said, Amen. Lord bless you. You're seated in the presence of the Lord. Souvenirs for survivors. I think we all know what a souvenir is. Souvenirs come in many forms and fashions. I laughed at my daughter. because She reminded me of me. Opened a box of Fruity Pebbles. and She wanted to know if there was a toy inside. And now they got cheap. They don't even put no good toys in cereal anymore. You can color on the box or do whatever. But, but I was that way when I was a kid. I just went through the, the aisle looking to see what toys. I could care less about the, the cereal if it offered a good toy then we we need to buy this cereal. Cracker Jacks, remember Cracker Jacks back in the day? They had little things. I hate Cracker Jacks. They're nasty, in my opinion. Ketchup can't fix a Cracker Jack. But they had these little souvenirs inside of them. But more often than not, when you think about a souvenir, You think about going somewhere that you've never been, and you want to pick up something while you're there to remember that place on your journey through life. I know people that collect all types of souvenirs. There was a lady growing up. Now, when I was a a kid, she collected little uh, spoons, not not the kind that you eat with, but I don't know. They were the little end of them, about that big, and then they'd have the town or the city. You know what I'm talking about? Can't eat with it. Take you forever to get full. But they were decorative. They were souvenirs. I know some people that they collect a deck of cards. Everywhere they went, they would pick up a deck of cards because it's four or five bucks, and on the back of it would be a picture and wherever they went, you know. So they. Over time, they had all these decks of cards from all these places that they went. And in, in your travels, you could think of things that you collected from places you've been. Some people, it's coffee mugs. Uh, if you drink coffee from places that you've been. A souvenir is something that you take with you from somewhere that you had never been a long life's way. You just pick it up. One place, one thing that I notice about some of these places, and maybe I notice it because I've got little kids. You know, they target little kids. They'll hand mom and daddy to death to buy all this junk that they're not even going to see next week. But some of these places I've been to, They've got these big displays full of stones, and you buy them by the bag. You, you, this little bag probably costs ten cents, if that much. And then those kids fill them up, and it costs six, seven, eight bucks. And you got multiple kids; it'll hit you for twenty, thirty dollars. And and they just gonna throw them out in the yard or do something stupid with them. Stones, stones. Maybe that's why I thought about this so much is because I've lost count how many bags of stones I've bought along the way for my kids. And they make them all these different colors. And, and, and they make them look like fake gold. And, and so when, they, when those kids leave that place, their souvenir that they want to bring with them is a stone because they'll associate that place in life that they stopped at, that they had never been before. And when they look at that stone, they'll remember, I brought this stone with me from this place. Souvenirs, we've all got them. In fact, there's invisible souvenirs that you've picked up along life's way. There's things in your own spirit that you've picked up that nobody knows about, but you can associate that feeling and that thought and that thing with a season of life that you went through that you didn't know you were going to have to face. God, if you live for God long enough, God will lead you through places that you had never been before. God will lead you through trials. God will lead you to rivers. God will lead you to relationships and situations and financial hardship. They're unique to each and every individual. But it stops along the way that God will lead you, and it's when you leave that season that you've got to bring something with you. When you survive that season of life, you're going to have to have a souvenir when you come on out of it to to remember what God did in your life. God was leading Israel across the Jordan River. God brought them to this place that was in between them and the promised land. And the Lord, I didn't read it, but you can go back in your own time in chapter 3. The Lord begins to deal with Joshua, and he tells them, I'm going to bring my people to a place that they have never been before. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring them back. It's verse number four. He said, yet there shall be a space between you and it, talking about the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. God was telling Joshua, I'm I'm bringing Israel into a place that they have never been before. Because the only way your faith can grow is it's got to be challenged by circumstances that you've never met. The only way that your, your faith can expand is it has to encounter a weight greater than what you've already lifted before. The only way that you can say, I drew closer to God, is there has to be a situation that requires you to draw closer to God than you've ever been. See, we want to be close to God, but far from problems. We want to be close to God, but we don't want to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We, we want to we be in tune with the Lord and hear his voice, but we want to escape from all situations that will require us to pray more than we've ever prayed before. God told him, I'm bringing you somewhere you've never been before. I, I'm, I'm bringing you to a place you've never been. And so Joshua told him at the beginning of chapter 4, he said, the Lord told him, I want you to take 12 men, one from each tribe and take you a stone from out of the midst of Jordan, out of the very middle of Jordan, where the, where the priest's feet touched in the middle of the Jordan River. I want you to take a stone at the lowest place of the trial. I want you to pick up something and bring it out. See, God won't ask you to go through something without there being something valuable in it to pick up and take out of it with you. God doesn't do anything without purpose. God doesn't allow pain to come without purpose. But he said at the lowest point of the trial, there's going to be something down there that you got to pick up and you've got to bring it out with you. Now, I got to looking at this The Jordan River is 200 feet deep. See, we read this and we think, oh, water's parted. They just walked on dry ground. No, 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 200 feet deep. For skeptics, let's just cut off 50 and say it was 150 foot deep. That's still a long way down and then a long way up. And God said, take stones, take something out of there, and then you're going to put it on the other side, and it's going to be a memorial unto all the generations that when they see these stones, you're going to be able to tell them, There was a day when our ancestors were on the other side of that Jordan, and they were looking at impossibility, and God brought them down that river and up the other side, and they brought this with them on the other side. But it got me to thinking God would never ask man to do what he won't first do himself. Why didn't didn't God tell Moses, the first time he parted water. Why didn't God tell Moses then take stones and put them on the other side of the Red Sea? It's because God used the first time as an example to make a memorial unto all generations. And then he asked the second time, for man to make a memorial unto all generations. If you go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 12 and verse 14, the Lord's speaking to Moses about the Passover, and they're going to be... Delivered from Egyptian bondage. In verse number four, he says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial unto all the generations. God says, Hey, when I part this Red Sea, he didn't tell Moses yet what was going to happen. He just said, There's going to be a this is going to be a memorial unto all generations. So they get to the Red Sea and the waters part. And, 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 and you got to understand the Old Testament is typology to the New Testament because when you read in 1 Corinthians 10 and 2, it says, and they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All right, got to follow me, okay? Here they go, marching under the following the cloud into the sea. And they're going in, typology speaking, with a stony heart, and when they come out and God buries them because it's it's typology of baptism, they come out Israel liberated. All of their sins, Egyptians, are buried in the sea. So now we have to go to Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. First Peter two and five. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. So if you can see what God sees, here's how it happens. He rolls back the sea and Israel goes through in bondage. But all of the chains called the Egyptians, that stony heart, he says, I'm going to bury them. And when the waters come, it's like being full of the Holy Ghost and they come out on the other side as lively stones. That's what happens in the spirit world when you get the Holy Ghost. Egyptians die and you walk out in newness of life. So God said, the first time I part the water, I'll make the memorial. And it's going to affect all generations. They didn't know about Acts 2.38. They didn't know about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But God used an example. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud of the sea. He said, I'm going to use an example right here for what I'm going to do in the New Testament church. Now, the second time, He said, I want you, I want you to take stones out of the bottom of that sea or out of that that river, and I want you to carry it. But watch. He said, you got to make sure that the priest, that the man of God is out front leading the way. And the Bible says, as soon as their feet touch the brim of the water, the water began to roll back on each side. I just want to pause and remind somebody here tonight, though you may not always feel it, and though you, you may not always agree with it, whether it be me or whether it be somebody else, don't ever underestimate the value of having a man of God in your life with you when you're walking through the trial. I'm wise enough to know this. I can't pastor everybody, nor will I ever claim to. And there's going to be people in this church that feel one day that they can't sit here. And you know what my response is? Go find a man of God. Because the most important thing is having a man of God in your life that can be there with you, whose feet touch the brim of the water and they roll back. You cannot do it by yourself. As wise as you may think you are, you've got to have a man of God in your life that will pray with you and who will be there in the water with you. That man of God got to the bottom of the river first. 2,000 cubits, So 2,000 times 18. That's a lot of inches. A cubit's 18 inches. So whatever 2,000 times 18 is, that's how far out in front they were with the Ark of the Covenant. That's a long way. And they got down to the bottom first. And remember, God told Joshua, 12 men, get a stone. They get down there and they get a stone. And they go all the way back up the other side, carried. It wasn't just a rock. It was a stone. They go all the way back up the other side. And they erected them in such a fashion. Some commentaries say they made it almost like an altar in a heap, in a pile. It was so noticeable that people would look at it and say, what meaneth these stones? wasn't just a bunch of stones thrown together. But watch this. Joshua did something that God did not tell him to do. God said, take 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan River where where the the feet of the priest stood with the ark. Take 12 men and get them out of here. And the Bible says they did. They put them in Gilgal where they lodged. But the Bible says in verse number 9, and Joshua went back and set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. God didn't tell them to do that. But Joshua said, hold on. If For them to understand fully what this means, we have to have a point of reference for them to know where we came from. So I'm going to go to the lowest point of my life. And we're not just going to take something out. We're going to leave something there. I've come to preach to someone tonight when you're in the lowest point of your life. It's not about just getting something out of it. God's wanting you to leave something in it. You're going to leave your fear. You're going to leave your insecurity. You're going to leave your doubt. You're going to leave the mental torment at the lowest point. I'm not much of a deer hunter. I mean, I killed four deer this year, but that don't make me a deer hunter. It means I'm a deer slayer. Deer hunter, they have patience, and they wait on them big deer. First thing that moves, it could be a German shepherd. I will kill it. No questions asked. So I I don't have time. Somebody texted me and said, uh, I've seen 25, 8 points, and 10 points you will probably never get a text message from me that says I saw 25 because I don't stay long enough to see 20. I will see one, and that's it. That's probably why I don't have no big deer. But I remember the first deer I kill, killed was Brother Jeremy Fuquay. and I killed that deer. He, We're out there, and I've never killed a deer in my life. And... First deer that walks out, I don't even know what it is. I just grabbed my gun. I put it up there. He said, no, 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 brother, brother. He said, there's a lot bigger deer than that out here. He said, we're not going to kill that deer. I put my gun up. Another deer walked out. Brother, brother, we're not going to kill that deer. Nine deer walked out. Finally, it was about 5'10", five, 5'15". Five, I said, now, Brother Jeremy, I've never killed a deer in my life. And if my wife asked me tonight, did you see a deer? And I tell her, I let nine walk. It will not be good at my house. I said, so the next thing that comes out, I'm shooting. And so the next thing that came out, I shot. Well, when I shot the deer, it just took off running. And I felt bad because I thought I wounded it. So we get down there, and it's dark, and we don't have no, we forgot our light, and I just got my little cell phone. And we cannot find blood anywhere, anywhere. And so now I'm thinking, well, I wasted the evening, and, you know, all all the thoughts that go through your mind. And he said, now brother, we're just going to start walking. Where do you think the deer, where do you think the deer was standing when you shot it? I said, brother, I don't know. Nobody told me to measure anything whenever I shot this deer. I just looked at it and shot it. I didn't know I was supposed to have landmarks and all this stuff. I said, I think it's somewhere in this neighborhood. He said, Well, we're just going to start walking in the in this high grass. I said, okay. Now, I'm just walking, just looking for a deer. That's all I'm doing, looking for a deer. And he's looking for blood. I'm looking for a deer. And he says, I found blood. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. So I'm getting down there. I can't see good anyway. And I'm down there in the dark, and I'm telling you, I don't know if God can see that speck of blood. It was so tiny on the ground. He said, we got blood, brother. I said, I'm glad you saw it because I sure couldn't see it. He said, now here's how we're going to do this. You're going to stand at the last point of reference so we don't lose our way. He didn't know he was giving me a sermon. I was just waiting on the right time to use it. He said, and when I find more blood, you're going to come up and you're going to stand at that spot. So we have a point of reference, and we don't lose our way. So when God said, you put stones on that side, and Joshua said, hold up. We got to have another point of reference to look back and see where our last spot that God did a miracle was. I got to go take some stones and build a memorial. It was Joshua's way of saying there's going to be some people that they're going to want to know where's the last spot God did something for you. And we got to be able to show them he brought us through every trial, he brought us through the Jordan. I've come to tell someone tonight you need to go back to the last point of reference in your life and realize that if God did it back then, he can do it for you today. you got to come out with a souvenir of a survivor. See, when you go through something, it's not about just what can I bring out of it, but it's what does God want me to leave in it. He wants you to leave those fears at the bottom of the Jordan, and you're going to come out with faith on your shoulders. He wants you to leave all of those questions and concerns. Leave them at the bottom and come out with answers on the other side. It's not about what can I get out of the trial as much as it is what does God want to get out of me and leave at the bottom of this trial. David just thought he was bringing food, but it was a trip down to that Babylon brook where he left his insecurities and all of his fears as he gathered five stones. And everybody thought he was crazy. And everybody thought he was there just to showboat. Everybody thought he was there just to make a mockery of Israel. But here's what they don't understand. David had a walk with God. God. And he knew that God had prepared him for that moment. See, you're not meeting your trial right now by accident. You're you're meeting your trial by divine appointment because God spent all of your life preparing you for the trial that you're in right now. And David, with that one stone, and he began to sling it and they hit Goliath in the head. And everybody wants to rejoice and say, oh, look at that one stone, but here's what I thought about this afternoon. David, he came out with souvenirs that only a survivor could have. He had four more stones Four more stones, and every time he'd look at them, he was reminded there was a day that I used one of those stones, and God killed Goliath. You see, it's not about just what do I come out with? What am I leaving in there? He left all of his insecurities, all of his questions, all of his concerns. He went to the bottom of that river, and he pulled out the stones, and you're you're coming out. You're coming out of your trial. You're coming out of your situation. And God's going to use you in ways that you've never been used before. But you're coming out with with a stone. Let me tell you what stones are left. When you look at your life and people look at your life, they're going to see stones that were placed strategically out of every trial that you've been through. They're going to see a stone that represents prayer they're going to see a stone that represents faithfulness. They're going to see a stone that it represents the Word because you built a memorial. Why do you think Scripture says, one generation shall praise thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts? Because what God does in your life serves as a memorial for the generations that follow you. Every time you go through a trial and you come out on the other side, it's a stone. It's a stone of prayer. It's a stone of faithfulness. It's things that God did in your life. That's why he told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan's desire to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen, the brethren it's cuz god knew that that rooster was going to crow god knew that that rooster was going to signify something in peter's life and that he was going to be able to help somebody else because of what he went through listen to me we don't relate to people through our strengths we relate to people through our weaknesses you don't relate to them through your highs. You come up to me and say, "I'm so stressed right now. I've only got a million dollars in the bank. I'm just stressed." You would not relate to me. I don't know what it's like to have a million, only a million in the bank and stressed. I knew somebody one time when I was evangelizing; they were just they were just stressed out because their checking account got below twenty thousand dollars, and I said. They'd be in a bind, my checking account. I mean, they'd be in an insane asylum. Having a, I could balance my checkbook. Ready? One, two, three. I'm done. When I was an evangelist. I can't relate to that. That's not. We don't relate to people through our highs. We relate to people through our lows. I can relate to someone who says, brother, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I can relate to that. Brother, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have enough food to last the week. I can relate to that. Brother, I don't have any gas for my car. I can relate to that. And so can you. But you know what? You can also tell them, you know what? I was right there, and God provided for me. What are you doing? You're showing them the, the, this. show. This is the memorial on the other side, but let me show you the memorial I made when I was in the middle of the Jordan River where, where, where my feet were standing and God brought me through that. Tri- I just want to encourage someone today. You will come out the other side and you're going to leave all of that junk in the Jordan and you're going to come out with stones of victory on the other side. you got to believe it with me. Stand with me. Don't think for a moment. Don't think for a moment that you're in it by yourself. But you're going to come out, and there's going to be people that say, What meaneth these stones? I could think of another stone. One stone. Probably the ultimate souvenir for a survivor. (laughs) He only needed that tomb three days. Nobody, nobody had ever rose from the grave. But that day they ran down there. That was probably the biggest souvenir that they'd ever seen, and it was rolled away. The ultimate survivor who had beat death, hell, and the grave, nobody had ever done that. He left them a souvenir just to show them I survived. And we're here tonight because there was a stone that was left as a souvenir that was rolled from that grave. What couldn't hold Jesus down? There's no stone that can hold you down. You just need to put that, what God's trying to do in your life, is say, I'm going to carry this lesson with me out of this trial. Like maybe God's teaching you to build your faith, and I'm going to carry this out of my trial. I'm going to leave my fear at the bottom of this Jordan. When Jesus went to death, hell, in the grave, he left something there. The Bible says he went and ministered the spirits in prison. You know what he left there? He left hope. He went and ministered the spirits in prison. He'd come out with victory. We're here tonight. We're here tonight. You're going to make it through your trial. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to make it through your trial. You're going to make it through your trial. Why don't we lift our hands all over this building right now? Lord Jesus You see exactly what your people are going through. God, I pray that their faith